Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now, prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. Today, we're starting a brand new series called Rock'em Sock'em Robots. And people have been asking me, like, what's Rock'em Sock'em Robots? What does that got to do with anything? What does it have to do with discovering God's will for our life? But here's the common misconception when it comes to God's will for our life, is that many people think that God is, is that con- in control of our life, that we are a rock'em sock'em robot, that God has the joysticks to our life, and it really doesn't matter what we do because God is in control. And we hear that all the time. You know, someone, is, you're having a rough time in, in your life, and there's a difficult situation, and the Christian thing to say is, hey, don't worry about it. God's in control. Well, is he or am I in control? Do I have a choice to make in this matter? What, how does this work out? And many of us go through life with, these, with the false conceptions of what God is and how he works and controls our life. And we think we can kind of just do whatever because ultimately God's in control and he's going to work it out. And there's parts of that are true and there's parts of that that aren't true. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at who is really in control, how do we really discover God's will for our life, and then how do we live that out? How do we actually walk that out every day of our life? So are we robots or do we have the ability to choose? And in your notes today, you can follow along on our app, you can follow along on the screen, but scripture portrays humans as having minds and wills of their own. Throughout the Bible, you can read that. We are, in, in a real sense, creators of our own behavior, and we determine our own destinies, whether the behavior and the destiny is in line with God's will or not. And we can find that in a, probably a, a passage of Scripture that you've heard before in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 19. This is the command that God has given his people Israel. He says this, This is the command I am giving you today. It's not too difficult for you to understand. So he's starting out right here and saying this. Hey, look, it's pretty simple, okay? This isn't difficult. It's not rocket science. It's actually pretty easy to understand what God's will is for your life. It's not beyond your reach. So for everyone in this room today, no matter what education level you have, no matter what your experience is with God, whatever your knowledge is of the scripture, he's saying, look, here it is. The message is close at hand. It's on your lips. It's in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice. Look at your neighbor and say choice. Choice. God gives us a choice. Here is the choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his demands, commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, if, if you choose to do this, You will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away from God, if you choose to turn away from God, if you refuse to listen, and you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, you go, hey, you know, in the Old Testament they had all these different gods and all this stuff. How could this apply to us today? If you are drawn away to serve yourself, if you are drawn away to, to satisfy the desires of your flesh, to do what is in opposition to what God's word says. He says, then I warn you that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long, a good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. 
Oh, that you would choose life. God wants us to choose life. He wants us to choose to obey him because he knows that through our obedience to him comes blessing and prosperity in the life that he desires for you to live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Man, I could really stop right here, right? A new year, 2014. Man, what do you need to do to embrace God this year? This would really be it. What do we need to do? God's given you a choice this year that you can live for him, you can obey his ways, walk with him, have a relationship with him, or you can do what you want to do. And you can gratify the desires of your flesh and you can walk in opposition to what God wants for you. But he says, here's the deal. I want you to choose me. I want you to make this choice to follow me, to obey me. And when you do this, this is when you really will get it. He says, this is the key to your life. If you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land. Swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's talking to the people of Israel who have battled this disobedience thing where they will follow God and then they won't follow God. And, and they just, they had this battle. And many of you probably have the same battle in your life where you're, there's seasons where you're really in tune with God and you're really walking with him. And then there's other seasons when you're not. And, and God's just saying, here's the deal. Choose to follow me. Make this choice to follow me. So when it comes to the rock'em, sock'em robots, many of us struggle with the fact, well, is God is in control or is he not? Does he give me ch- free will to choose how I live my life? And through this scripture and through multiple more, if you go through the Bible, it's very clear in scripture that God gave the children of Israel the option of living for him, obeying him, being blessed, being prospered. God laid it out. He said, look, if you follow me, if you do what I'm telling you to do, you will have my blessing. You will live long. You will have a full life. Your kids will be blessed. Generations will be blessed. But if you choose to do the other, it will destroy your life. God set before them the possibility of life and death, and we decide if we're going to choose life or if we're going to choose death. So when it comes to God's will for your life, yes, there are certain things, and we're going to walk through this today. We're going to lay a foundation. And the easiest way for me to sum it up is this, is that God knows the choice that we will make. He's all-knowing. He sees the beginning from the end. So he knows the choice that you will make, but he allows you to choose. Why does he do that? Because God said that he created Adam and Eve because he desired to have relationship. Now, would you want to be in relationship with someone who was forced to be into a relationship with you? No, we wouldn't. We want our spouse or whoever it is to say, I choose you. I love you. I want to be with you. I want to commit to you. And God wants the same thing from us. He wants us to choose him. He created us to be in relationship with him, but he isn't going to force you to do anything. He gives us the free will to choose. I think one of the greatest questions I get as a pastor even just this last week, had a meeting with someone, is, Kyle, can you help me figure out what God's will is for my life? They have a a tough decision to make, a job change, should we move? I have this option. I have these choices laid before me, and they go, help me kind of figure out which is the best choice for me. And a lot of times, you know, I go, you know, I I really can't tell you what to do. I don't know. I mean, you got to figure it out for yourself. You have to seek God. You have to see if he will speak to you. They want to know what God's will is for a particular situation in their life. And I think many of us, you know, we we all want to, whether we're living for God or not, we want to know what he knows. We want to know what he would want us to do. If you believe in him, you're going, okay, God, 
I want to know what you know. How many of you would say, I want to know what God's will is for my life? Raise your hand today. Yeah, all of us. Yeah, I want to know what God wants me to do. I want to follow his will. So we got to figure out what it is because it can really be very confusing sometimes. I've been in situations in ministry where I've had options and choices. What do I do? God, show me your will. I have that question. I pray that out. I, to me, it's kind of like the Ikea directions. How many of you ever bought furniture from Ikea before, right? You get those directions out, and they sell in multiple countries. So they don't give you, like, words. They just give you pictures, right? We had a stand that we bought for the TV in the kids' area, and, and I was putting it together in my garage, and all it had was pictures. And there was, like, 80 different screws for this thing. And I'm trying to hold it up to the picture and see if it's the right size because there's small differences between them. And, and I want to make sure I put the right thing here and right thing there. And I want to put it together right so it doesn't fall apart. So a little kid isn't in there having fun and the TV crashes on them, right? It's an expensive TV. I don't want the TV to get messed up. And it's very confusing, and you try to figure it out. Directions can be that way, and it's kind of like that sometimes when we try to figure out what God wants us to do with our life. It can be confusing, like the directions that doesn't really make sense, and you have little pieces of information, and you're trying to put it all together and figure out how it's going to work and what God wants you to do. It's confusing. Figuring out can be overwhelming. The Bible gives us specific answers for some things in our life, but for a lot of things in our life, there's no answer. There is no answer. A lot of decisions to make. Where am I going to live? Where am I going to go to church? I know a good church, if you still are asking that question, or maybe you have some neighbors or something. Where do I go to church? Do we have kids? If we do, how many? If we can't have kids, should we adopt? That doesn't, the, the Bible doesn't say what you should do with that. Should I date him or her? Should I marry them? Should we get engaged? If we do, where should we live? Should I take this job? Where should I go to college? Is that God's will or is this God's will? Should I go to Ohio State? Probably God's will. Definitely not Michigan. There's certain things. God can redeem almost anything, but if you made a choice to go to Michigan, he can't redeem that. He can't fix that. There's nothing he can do. You talk about making a bad choice and getting way off track for God's plan for your life, go live in Michigan. Be awful. But what do we do? Do I sell this house? Do I buy this house? Go to God's word. People tell you, oh, it's in God's word. God's word has every answer for your life. No, it doesn't. It can give you direction. It can give you wise counsel. It can give you, uh, put you in the right direction. But there's certain questions and certain things that you're going to face in life that it, it, it's not clear. It's not black and white. It's what we would call a gray area. So what do we do with that? How do we decipher God's will for our life? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but live like those who are wise. How many of you want to live like a fool? Don't raise your hand, because if you are, then you probably will uh, live like a fool. It says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. He says, understand. Make sure you figure it out. Don't live like a fool. Be wise. Understand what God wants you to do. So how do we know what God wants us to do. We all want to be in the will of God. You just raised your hand. You said, I want to be in the will of God for my life. 
But ultimately, we have to do our job to understand what that is. So today, we're going to kind of lay a biblical foundation of how God's will kind of works. And then over the next coming weeks, we're going to talk more specifics about how we filter decisions and how we do that according to God's will to really figure out the direction that God wants to go with your life. So today we're just going to kind of lay a foundation for the rest of the series. So if you know someone who's not here today, you're going to make sure that they, they get on the podcast, tell them to get on and watch it if they're coming next week because this is very important to know this part of this for this series. The first thing is this, when it comes to God's will and really understanding it, there's three parts to it. The first part is this, We have the works of God. When it comes to God's will for our life, all of our lives, there is the works of God. This would be the sovereign will. Theologians would say the sovereign will. This is the plan of God that he laid out. This is what God wants to do, the purpose of God. Bottom line is this, is that when God wants to do something, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. For example, when you look at creation, When God created the world, he didn't first form a committee, right? He didn't draw a committee of people together and go, hey, what do you think? Should we put water here or land there? It said, no, God wanted to create the world. said he spoke it into existence, and there it was. It's what he wanted. It's what he did. So when it comes to creation, we can look at it that way. He did what he wanted to do. Moses, he raised up Moses. Moses said, God, I stutter. I can't deliver the people of Israel. You can't expect me to do this. He said, no, you're going to do it. And if Pharaoh doesn't let my people go, I'll send pressure after pressure and curse after curse to when he will finally let my people to go. When God wants to do something, no one can stop him. We just celebrated Christmas with the birth of Jesus. And and God took a virgin and and the son of God was born from her. Wow, that's craziness. But that was God's plan. It's what he wanted to do. Nothing's going to stop that from happening. The death of Jesus. Think about that. The plan before, that God knew what the plan was. Acts 2, 22 through 23 says this, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed the Nazar- Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged or deliberate plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. So he tells them, Peter's addressing the crowd, he's saying, you killed Jesus, but God knew that you would, and it was his plan that you would, and he used you to do it. The works of God. Hard for us to understand, but there's some things in life that it's just the works of God. It's what God wants to do. You and I cannot stop it. Doesn't mean we'll understand it. Doesn't mean we even agree with it. But the works of God, when it comes to his will for your life, there's some things that he wants to do, and he's going to do it. So we have the works of God. The second thing that we have are the ways of God. This would be like God's moral law, his commands that he's given us through his word. The Ten Commandments. Charlton Heston, right? The Ten Commandments, that he laid it out. Thou shalt not. This is what you should and should not do. This is the, the area of the Bible that's black and white. He said, these are the ways in which you should live if you are going to be my child. The ways of God. Very clear in his word. God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to be generous. He wants us to be humble. He wants us to be gracious. He wants us to be selfless. It's all in his word. It's very clear. 
And here's the one thing that is awesome about God that I think, is that God can even use things that are outside of his ways to still accomplish his works. For example, I knew at 16 years old, I was at a summer camp, a Christian camp experience, and and you kind of get away from everything, and you're surrounded, and and I was there uh, with other students my age seeking God, the, the pastor uh, the preacher that day was talking about God's will for your life and the call of God. And, and I was even at 16 trying to figure out what my next steps would be in my life and where I should go to college and all those things. And God spoke very, very clearly to me that I was supposed to be a pastor. And I didn't want to be a pastor. My good friend was, uh, you know, was the pastor's son. And I was like, hey, God, I don't, I don't want to be a pastor. And I, then, you know, people kind of tell you it's cool and you're with all these other Christians. They're like, dude, ministry's awesome. I'm like, not really. I've seen it. Like, it's not the greatest thing in the world. And it's very challenging. And, and you know, and there's, there's not a lot of money in it, right? That's what we think, right? That's how we process things. And so I knew I had this call in my life, but my mom worked at Ohio State. And I always knew that, you know, that was where I wanted to go, and, and so I tried to kind of take God's plan and my plan, I've kind of shared this with you before, and merge them all together and do that, but I was at Ohio State, and I was living in disobedience to God. I, was, I wasn't living for God, really. You know, I believed in God, but I was being disobedient. I wasn't putting myself in environments that I knew I should of uh, someone who aspiring to be a pastor and, and to serve God. And so this, the irony was is that my entire family was on a uh, youth retreat. My parents were helping out with the youth group, and I was called to be the youth pastor. But I'm on campus after the Wisconsin game, and Ron Dane ran all over Ohio State. And so the, the, the alcohol was flowing that night on campus, and I found myself in a situation where I was, I, I was put a beer in my hand. I, I, I wasn't a big drinker, but I was in an environment that I knew I shouldn't have been in, and I got arrested for underage drinking. And I've shared that with you before. And, and I was sitting in the back of a paddy wagon with my hand handcuffed to my friend because they didn't have enough. They were arresting a lot of people, and I'm sitting there, and he's begging me to get some chewing tobacco out of his pocket so he can have it. And God spoke very clearly to me. It was one of those times he said, if this is the way you want to go, this is where you're going to end up. You're going to be chained to people like this. If you're going to attach yourself to these kind of people, this is where you're going to end up. And out of my disobedience to God, it woke me up and God brought me back to a place of surrender to him to where I began to then submit back to what his will was and his ways were for my life. I never went back to campus again on a weekend. I made a decision right there. I went to class. I began to move forward, and God began to speak to me and led me all the way to Dallas, Texas. So God can use our disobedience to still continue the works, the the thing that no one can stop that he wanted to accomplish in my life. He used my disobedience to get me where he was, and that's an awesome thing about God. But the reality is, is that God really just wants us to not put ourselves in those things. He's, again, gracious, and he's loving, and so when we make mistakes, he works with us, and he gets us back on track, but God would rather that we just submit to his ways. The ways of God in God's word are very clear. That doesn't mean that they're convenient. It doesn't even mean that they're cool, but they are clear. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not have sex before you're married. Thou shalt not get drunk. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's very clear. You want to know the will of God for your life? It's right here in his word. The will of God is that you should obey and submit to him. He tells the people of Israel, you have the choice and I beg you, choose me. Why? Because going to campus and partying wasn't going to lead me anywhere that I wanted to go. And God was saying, please choose me. 
I have this plan for you. I have the, the, the will of God is easy for us to understand when we just begin to submit to his ways. It's clear, and we know when we're wrong. We know when we're living outside of God's will because it's clear in his ways and what he wants us to do. So we have the works of God, and we have the ways of God. And the third thing, then, is we have the will of God. This is the personal guidance for your life. The, the, this is the, it's not in God's word. This is, hey, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want? What is your plan for me? The Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. So the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. But if you're anything like me and you have a one and three-year-old, sometimes you question that. This is a blessing moment at five in the morning, changing sheets in a bed because you're potty training your child blessing from the Lord. But he doesn't tell you how many to have. He doesn't tell you when to stop. Is two enough? Is if I have a third one, are they going to be, you know, crazy? Are they going to, you know, what, what's going to happen? So, so what is the personal guidance? So there's things where God says, yes, do this, but it doesn't give specifics. This is where we want to know the particulars, when, where, and what, the details. When do you want me to do this? Where do you want me to do this? What should this look like for my life? And this is where most of us get tripped up and we get confused. When should we sell our house? Where should I go to college? What does God call me to do? And we get all freaked out about this part because we feel like if we miss the will of God for our life, we're going to be doomed forever. One bad choice, one bad decision, and it's over. If I make this mistake and I miss the will of God, what's going to happen? Stephen Furtick, a pastor at Elevation Church, he used this illustration, and I love this. And he says uh, the, the, the greatest way a lot of people, especially when you're young and, and you're trying to figure out things, is the greatest question is, is, is really who should I marry? Is, is this person is the one? How many of you believed this, you've heard this said and you've really believed it and you kind of think this way, that there is just one person in the world who's perfect for you, Right? We think that way. Hey, there's one person. Man, I found her. Man, Jess, she's perfect. She's the only one who was made for me. And, and man, look at the kids we made together. And, and what if I had married someone else? I wouldn't have had this kid. God knew exactly. God did know. He's all-knowing. But we think that there's one person for me. But let's, let's really lay this out a little bit. So let's say Susie's one person is Tom. But Susie is being disobedient, right? She's not living for God. She's a a heathen, and she marries Billy. So she missed it. She missed the will of God because she was supposed to marry Tom. He was the one. God laid it out. He picked him. Tom was the guy, So she, but she married Billy. So then Tom, you know, is marrying the wrong one because God never, or Billy's marrying the wrong one because God didn't ordain for her to marry him. And then the one that Billy was supposed to marry is now marrying the wrong one. So because of Susie's bad decision, picking the wrong one, really the the romantic relationships for the entire universe are thrown off. People are having the wrong babies. God never wanted that one to be, right? When you really break it down like that, but we think like that. It's a, it's a preconceived notion of how we think God's will work is if I miss one decision, if I make one bad thing and I miss the will of God for my life, I'm doomed forever. But God doesn't work like that. When I met my wife, she was dating my roommate. Jess could have married him. And she could have probably still been in God's will for her life. Because God gives us the ability 
to choose. But we get so complicated. God, what should I have for dinner? God, what should I do for this? And, and I think what God would really say is, I don't care. I don't care. Finding the one, we think of these things that if we miss the will of God, but we lived in these preconceived notions and it kind of puts these parameters around our life that God never intended to be there. And we miss the actual will of God because we're so concerned with making the wrong decision. During this series, again, we want to help give you freedom when it comes to God's will for your life, when discovering what his will is for you. And there is times, don't get me wrong, where God has specific assignments for you, and there's no option B. The call of God on my life was so strong that when I attempted to do something outside of that, God got me back in line. See, I made choices, but the works of God, the plan that he had for me was going to happen. Now, again, I could have still been disobedient, but thankfully I obeyed what God was telling to me, and I got back in alignment with God's will for my life. So there's specific things that God will tell you to do, maybe to marry or whatever it is, but, but the rest of it, and, and that example is in Scripture where Jonah and the whale, right? Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, and he didn't want to go to Nineveh, and so he was being disobedient, so he got on a boat, and, and it was causing all these problems, and so whether you get to Nineveh on a boat or in the belly of a whale, God's going to get him to Nineveh. That was God's plan. That's where he wanted him to go, and God used that to get him to obey. So God will use things in our life to get us to get in alignment and obey his will. So there are specific things, but I think there's also a sense that God's will is maybe something completely different than we ever thought it was or have been taught that it was. Our theme verse for this series is going to be this, Colossians three seventeen. Paul wrote this book and was really laying out the foundation of Jesus, that Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of our lives. He is first in importance. He is the one that we follow. And it says this. So when you put Jesus first, he says this, and whatever, look at your neighbor and say, whatever. Say it like my little, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Whatever. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, so whether you say it, whether you just speak it out, or it's an action that you do, in word or deed, do it all In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, everything that you do should be submitted to the ways of God. Done in a way that would give God glory. He says, whatever you do. So whether you go to college there or you go to there, whatever you do, you need to do it and give God the glory for it. Live in a way Whatever whatever word you say, whatever action you make is giving glory to God. Many of us, I I find this all the time, especially as a church planner and meeting new believers and people who come from different backgrounds, is that people can very easily compartmentalize their faith in God. Where Sundays, we take the faith book off the shelf, we open it up, we go to church, we clap our hands, we sing the songs, we get back home, we put it back on the shelf, and then we go to work and we still tell bad jokes and talk about our wife and do the things God doesn't want us to do and cheat and do all these things, and then we pull it back down the next Sunday and we compartmentalize our life. And Paul's saying, look, whatever you do, whatever it is that you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything that we do should be done in a way that is submitted to God's ways. So what if God's will 
is whatever? What if God's will is whatever? What if we've been putting too much focus, looking for personal guidance, trying to figure out the specific details of our life, but what if the center of what it means to know God is to know his ways? To be in the will of God is to simply know his ways. And, and what if when I obey his ways, he will lead me to his will? Whatever you do, be submitted to God. What if God really isn't concerned about the what, the when, and the where, and he's more concerned about the how, the why, and the who? I don't really care what you do as much as I care how you are when you do it. And I don't care as much about where you go, but why you're doing it. What are your motives? And I'm not concerned about the, the, the specifics about more about who you're becoming while you're doing these things. So I think the will of God can actually become very simple is this, is that when you walk in his ways, again, what are the ways of God? It's his word. It's the clear parts of his word. It's the, it's the revealed part that we know, that when we walk in his ways, God will lead us to his will. More scripture to back this up, Proverbs 3 and and I didn't get this to our guys to get this in, on, on the screen, but it's very probably one of the top three verses that, that is read, and you've probably heard it before. But Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Again, that's what we want. We want to understand. We want specifics. We want details. It says don't lean on that. In all of your ways, all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So in all of your ways, be submitted to God. God's will is whatever, whatever you do, submitted to God. And when you do that, God will lead you to his will. It's really pretty simple. But we get more concerned with the concealed part of God's specifics for our life than we are about the revealed part that he's already given us to do. God wants you to obey his word. He wants you to walk in his ways. But again, we compartmentalize it. Well, I just want to know the specifics. So when I get that, I do this. And when I'm here, I do this. And God just says, I want all of you, whatever you do, to obey me, to be submitted to me, to walk in the ways of God. And when we walk in obedience to God's will, it says he will, to his ways, he will lead us to his will. So when you have options and choices and different things, are you being submitted to God? Are you living for God? Before you get concerned with the concealed part of God's will, why don't we focus more on the revealed part? Thou shall not, because that's where I struggle. Those are the things that I'm still working on is the, the revealed part. God, I need to do this better. I need to love my wife better. I need to be focused on my kids. I need to get my priorities straight. I need to quit being so lazy and selfish and give more of myself. Those are the battles that I have. And and God's saying, yeah, when you get that and you begin to do that and you focus on that and as we come to a new year, many of us are laying out new priorities and new goals that we have and we want to do this and want to do that. And God's just saying, whatever you do, just be submitted to me. Walk in my ways and you will know my will. It's pretty simple, but harder to live by. So as we close out today, and the band's going to come, 
How do we walk in God's ways? That's what we're going to talk about next week. How do we really do this? How do we live this out? And we're going to kind of get very basic. It's the new year. We need to get basic on what God's will is for your life, how you walk in his ways, how you be submitted to that. Then we're going to get a little bit more detailed about the specifics of God's will for our life and how we can filter through decisions because God tells us to get counsel from people because there's just times where we, we don't know for sure what God wants us to do. And so when we face those times, what do we do? How do we figure out what God's will is for our life? But I think to start out 2014 and to really come to a firm foundation when it comes to discovering God's will for your life is to one, realize is that you aren't a robot. That God created you with free will and with choice from the very beginning. Adam and Eve made a choice. God knew what their choice was, but he still allowed them to make it. So you're not a robot. You have free will. And God's desire is that you choose him. Not just on Sunday, not just a couple times a week, but in everything that you do. Whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God submitted to him and he says and when you submit to God when you submit to my ways the word of God the revealed part the clear part the black and white when you submit to that you'll be in my will very simple today if you would bow your head and close your eyes with me I want to give you an opportunity if you're saying it's the new year you know Kyle I'm, I'm not submitted to God's ways and I'm living in clear violation to the revealed part of God's will. I know that what I'm doing is wrong. I know that it's sinful. I know that this is not God's will for my life. I know that it's not. And today, God, again, his mercy is new. He loves you. And and you haven't done anything to disqualify yourself from getting back in alignment with God's will. The Bible says all of us find ourselves in this place disobedience to God, not living for his will, and clear contradiction to the revealed part. You'd say, Kyle, I'm in a position today where I know right from wrong. I'm convicted. I know that what I'm doing is wrong, and I want to be in God's will. Again, it's your choice. God doesn't force you. He doesn't make you. He gives you the choice. But as he would beg his children of Israel, he said, I'm begging you to choose life. Don't choose death anymore. Choose life. Choose life. And I think God gives you that same choice today. Choose life. Choose him. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And you can discover what that plan is if you will submit to walking 